the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is a worship issue. Have you understand who God is? That Jesus came in this world to change your relationship with sin. And if he's come into your life, he, he's done that to change your relationship with him. So see him for who he is and trust him. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Good morning, church. Do me a favor, take your copy of God's Word, whether that's in a written copy or electronic, and turn to the book of 1 John. It's a letter written by John, 1 John. We're going to be in chapter 1. And then I would find something to record what God says to you, whether that's pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, Crayola, your thumbs on your device, or whatever you have, and and find a way to put down what God says today. Have you ever had anything in your life that you've you just established this is just going to be the way it is? I, I can't resolve this. It's too complex or too overwhelming. The Gordian knot is a phrase that's often been used to refer, refer to a complex or unsolvable problem. But it, it comes from a legend that took place regarding Alexander the Great. It was 333 BC. Alexander the Great marches his Macedonian army into the Phrygian capital of Gordian. And there in Gordium, he found a wagon tied to its yoke with a knot that was so tightly entangled, it was impossible to unravel. The legend says that the owner, Gordius, the father of King Midas, supposedly said that any man that could solve the problem of that knot, that could get the entanglements untangled, would receive as a reward the rulership of all of Asia. So as the story goes, Alexander the Great takes out his sword and he just slices the knot right down the middle. I'm not sure if that's what Gordius had intended, but that accomplished the purpose. We do know this. Alexander the Great became not only the ruler of Persia, of Asia, but also the Lord of Egypt. He was a conqueror. And yet he died at age 32. There's some debate about what the cause may have been, but it's widely thought that he died of alcoholism. The reasons for that... Historians record that he did kill one of his generals just because he himself was in a drunken rage. And then he hosted a a party. He sponsored a party where 41 of his peers died at the party from alcohol poison. So it's not out of the 
realm of possibility to think that he too may have been an alcoholic. I want you to think about that for a moment. Could it be possible to have conquered worlds but not conquer yourself? I think the answer is yes. Some of us are dealing with that in our lives. We have this Gordian knot, this thing that seems unresolvable, overwhelming, too complex for us. For some, it involves opioids or other drugs or alcohol. For others, it's food or work. Maybe for others still, it's cutting or some form of self-harm. Maybe gambling or gaming, which many would think is harmless. Maybe porn or something as seemingly subtle as social media. Uh, Don't be confused. Not all of these have the same consequences, do they? But all of these can be habitual activities or even sinful activities in our life that keep us from experiencing God's best. They can come in and take control of us and conquer us. What we've learned in scripture as we've journeyed through Romans is that even the apostle Paul can relate to this. This should be comforting to you. Romans chapter 7, verse 22, Paul says, For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work within me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Paul would go on to say, So I do these things I don't want to do. I don't do the things I do want to do. And it's a battle. The apostle Paul. You realize who that is? He wrote a large part of the book, like 13 of what we call the epistles or the letters of Paul. He went on at least three missionary journeys and he started at least 14 churches in the known world. And and yet what he's saying is there's something that I struggle with in my life that is sinful, that may be habitual, that may be causing me to be described as an addict. And we all battle this way. So I want to just clarify for all of us that when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, yes, you become a new creation, but the flesh does not disappear. The battle rages on. The war continues. And we see an illustration of this in one of the miracles of Jesus. You remember when he raised his friend Lazarus from the dead? Lazarus, come forth! And he did from the dead, but there was a problem. Do you remember what the problem was? He was still bound with grave clothes. And so it's possible to be alive and yet not free. And that's where some of you are. You've got this new life in Christ, but you're not experiencing the freedom that he wants you to enjoy So I go back and I think about the Apostle Paul who describes himself as the chief of sinners and think, oh, God, if if you could use the Apostle Paul, do you think maybe you can use me? And I believe as I look in Scripture, the answer is yes, but we have to follow God's plan. We, We have to do it his way. We have to deal with the flesh, the things that bind us, those complex, those seemingly unresolvable issues according to Scripture. 
So let me just remind you what we learned last week. We learned that we are at war. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 says, For we live not in the world, or though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are the weapons of the world, are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And so we said this battle, this war that we're all in, is primarily taking place in the mind that our enemy, the father of lies, Satan himself, is at war with us. And yet we've got good news. God has given us divine power to break down strongholds, to take thoughts captive, and to experience his best. And when Christ followers believe the lies of the enemies, we don't experience that. We forfeit God's best. We develop strongholds in our lives that can only be demolished through the power of the gospel. This doesn't mean the war stops, so does it? The battle rages on. And so today, as we gather here, most professing to be a part of what we call the family of God, the body of Christ... Saved believers, some of us gather here as prisoners of war. You're in the enemy's grips. You're prisoner of a habitual sin or addictive behavior, and you're stuck. You're attempting to unravel the Gordian knot, but there's good news. You don't have to stay stuck. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. There is hope. In fact, that's what this whole thing is about. That's what Jesus came to tell us. In fact, Jesus said that in Luke 4 and verse 18. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind to set the oppressed free. Isn't that good news, church? That's God's intent. So how do we live that out? That's what we're going to talk about. I want to pray once more first. But before I do, I want to ask you a few questions. If you're stuck, do you really want to get unstuck? Because last week we discovered, you know, a stronghold is something that's holding on to you, but it's also something often that you're holding on to. And really these truths that are, I believe, life-changing, they're of God. They only apply if you want to be unstuck, unraveled, to be set free from the cycle. So I want us to pray, but if you'd be so bold, let me just tell you what I'm going to do, and maybe you would do it too. Maybe you just hold out your hands, just open-palmed before the Lord and say, God, I need what you've got. 
all right? Father, in the name of Jesus, man, we've had a sweet time already worshiping you. We have sung truth. You're fighting our battles. You're giving us victory. And we believe that. And now we open your word. Perfect, true, timeless, powerful. And we just ask it, give us what we need. Teach us, Lord. Make us different. Give us eyes that would see and ears that would hear and a mind that's receptive so that, Lord, our hands and our heart might be filled even now with what you would want us to have. Lord, I pray once more. Oh, God, I pray that you'd move me out of the way, that my words would be your words, my thoughts would be your thoughts, and that miracle that changed my life, the miracle of redemption, that it would take place even among hearers today. And for this, we're grateful. And this we ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. First John chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 4. We write this to make our joy complete. And let me just pause and, and say as a pastor, particularly when you're talking about tough things like this message will be today. I, I think it's important as a hearer that you understand the intent of the truth that is shared. Jesus said that he's come that we might have life and that we might have it abundantly. Scripture is, is full of reminders that the Christian life should be a life of joy. And yet, as somebody who spent my life around professing Christ's followers, I have to confess, a lot of people seem to be lacking joy. And what John is going to teach us here, and, and the, the whole intent of, of this teaching time together, is, is that you understand that joy is found when, when you allow God to take those things out of our life that he does not intend to be there. Joy is found when we live our lives in the way that he has set forth. So how does he intend us to live? This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. That, that's the first of three if statements like that you're going to find in these short verses. If we do this, then here's what's going on. That's the first one. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Here's the second one. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And here's the last one. If we claim that we've not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. John begins this letter like most of the New Testament, this is a letter to Christ's followers. And, and John begins this by describing the impact of the incarnation of Christ. What, it, what is incarnation? The incarnation is God being made carnate, God becoming carnality. He, he becomes one of us. That, that's what 
we celebrate at the Christmas season that, that God became flesh, that 100% God, Jesus was also 100% human. We can't fathom that in, in our human mind, but that's what we believe. God incarnate. And, and what John is saying is that when God came onto this created planet that he spoke into existence, it changed everything because for the first time since the Garden of Eden, it, it changed man's relationship with sin. God created mankind without sin. And, and then our great grandparents, they just messed this whole thing up and they brought sin into the world. And, and what we believe is now we are born with that nature of sin. The scar of sin is upon us before we do the first wrong thing or fail to do the first right thing. And so this cycle of sinfulness has just made this scarring impact on the world. But when Jesus came to the world, when God became carnate, there began to be a different relationship with sin. Why? Well, Jesus was the only one since the garden who did not sin. And thus, he was the only one who could truly pay that punishment, that penalty for sin. Jesus would go on to live his life perfectly and to die on the cross as that perfect sacrifice for sin. He would take our place, our punishment, and what we believe theologically. In other words, what the Bible teaches about what we know about God is that when Jesus died on the cross, it gives us the opportunity to place our sin debt, our sin load, all the sin that we carry on him and trust that he can handle it. That's why we call it the gospel, the good news that everything has changed. And so what John is saying is just as Jesus was incarnate in this world, as he came into the world and it changed the relationship with sin. If you say Jesus is incarnate in you, Jesus was born into you, it should change you in sin. Now, that was a little bit of teaching, but I want to make sure you understand that. You got it? If Jesus is born into the manger of your heart, it changes you. And so ultimately that means, and this is important, kind of the thesis. Ultimately, all of our sin problems are Jesus issues that deal with what we believe about God. And I think that's going to be important as we try to tackle some of those. So let's dive in. I've called this message breaking free from the chains of sin and addiction. So what is addiction? Addiction. Somebody said it's just seeing something as unchangeable that's outside of the will and the word of God. So something that God doesn't want me to do and yet it's that Gordian knot. I can't resolve it. It's too complex. Mark Batterson says it's a compulsive behavior that results in reward but has adverse effect on us. Now that's getting to something we're going to address. So this habitual sin, maybe this addiction, it does help me. I feel good about it, but then I pay for it. This is a simple definition. Anything we don't want to do, but we can't stop doing it. That kind of says it, doesn't it? Listen to this more formal definition. It comes from a book called Addiction, a Banquet in the Grave. Addiction is bondage to the rule of substance activity or state of mind, which then becomes the center of life, defending itself from truth so that even bad consequences don't bring repentance and lead to further estrangement from God. So whether it's a substance or a way of thinking or a lifestyle, this sin becomes the center of my life. 
and it conquers me. And even if it hurts me, I don't feel hurt enough to change. Yale Medicine describes what happens when we experience addiction. It explains the biochemical nature. It says addiction changes the brain structure and how it functions. The brain has a natural reward system. The rewards pathways function in the brain is to reinforce sets of behavior. And actions that help us to do good or feel good are rewarded through a chemical called, do you know what it is? Dopamine. Dopamine is a satisfying jolt that encourages you to repeat the same action. And addiction hijacks our natural reward system. All addictions produce a pleasure surge of dopamine and cause us to become dependent on these behaviors or substances. And the problem is that we become tolerant to these addictive things and we need to do more and more to get a better and better high. Now I get it. This isn't exactly an amen, that's right message because some of you are thinking, man, I get it, but if I nod too much, everybody's going to be looking at me. Just hang tight. I think I'll free you up in a minute. Because what I want to suggest to you is that all of us have these destructive habits. All of us have these sinful behaviors, these addictions that we matter, that we battle. As I mentioned ago, it may be something with, with very serious physical impact like opioids or alcohol. It, it may be something very common like food or work. It may be something very painful like cutting or something very stimulating in the moment like gambling Maybe something very private like pornography or very subtle like social media. You see what I'm saying? It begins to control you. It becomes a center. And even though you see that it's having harmful impacts, you don't change. So even among Christ followers, what we do is we battle these with a couple of uh, inappropriate ways that don't work. As prisoners of war, sometimes we just settle in and we, we're, we know we're stuck, but we just decide to decorate the prison cell. So, so we just give the impression that things are not as bad as they are. Just try to make it look better. And so when it comes to our personal decisions, we justify them or we rationalize them. And, and we really act like this isn't really hurting anybody else. It's not as bad as some people think. It's better than it is. But the second way is the most common. I call this waste management. You know what waste management is? Waste management is one of the biggest corporations in the world. You know what waste management does? You may see it in your neighborhood. It's that big truck that comes by. It has WM on it, waste management. What do they do? They take the trash from your trash can and they put it in the back of the truck and it disappears, right? Wrong. It does not disappear. What do they do with the waste? They just push it down. Why? They make it compact so that they can add what? More waste, more trash. And that's what a lot of us do in the church. But it's called sin management. We just push it down and we try to just pretend if we just act like it's not there and just cram it down and maybe nobody will see it and maybe it'll stop hurting me. And this is the way it looks. We focus on particular things that we just don't like. Now, I grew up in church, so I understand this. I can remember when someone came and spoke at our church, and I felt like I needed to go home and 
find an album in our house that I could break in half because it had to be bad. I mean, I know what it's like to hear, I don't drink and I don't chew and I don't go with girls that do. I, I mean, I know what it's like to, to hear that guest preacher come into town and say, I tell you what, bless God, cigarettes may not kill you and send you to hell, but they'll make you smell like you've been there. Amen. Amen. And then I remember what it's like to be looking up and saying, yeah, but this guy's like 300 pounds. That can't be right either. I mean, he's full of fried chicken. See, Sin management is like holding a beach ball underwater uh, out over at the coast. You're having fun with the beach ball and you think, man, I'm going to push this thing under. And it feels good for a minute and you realize this thing wants to come up. And then you feel like you're strong and you say, no, I'm going to keep it under. And then this thing wants to come up and eventually you, you lose the battle. And what happens? That beach ball comes up and it hits you in the face and you look like a dummy. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.